Well, good morning. Welcome to Bethlehem. Didn't Anthony wake you guys up this morning? I mean, he, he just demanded you get up this morning and sing. And what a bossy guy that is. It's excellent. It, it, it's, um, it's great to be here. Um, my name is Pastor Henry, one of the pastors on staff here. Uh, Pastor Steve's uh, wife, Lisa, Lisa Malauso's mother, passed away yesterday. So he's staying with her this whole weekend because he has to fly out to Texas to, to do some speaking engagements. But he wanted to be with her this, the, the, over the weekend because anyone knows when you lose your mother, uh, you've lost a big part of your life. So Pastor Steve won't be here. He'll be back next week, uh, and we'll continue the over, Overcomers series. But Lisa lost her mother uh, this, this week, uh, yesterday. And here, here's my appeal to you as a congregation. Do not bug Pastor Steve this week. If you, need a, if you want to send condolences, send condolences on the email, uh, Facebook, uh, leave a message on his phone if you have his number, uh, send cards, address them to the church, 12 East Fairview, no, 188 Rockaway Avenue, <laughs> do you want to invite a stream? Uh, do all that, but this is a, such a painful time for the family, and he's comforting his wife during this time. So uh, one of the things I want to encourage you to do, lift him up in prayer. Uh, a church is only as good as, as its leadership. And a church is only as good as the people in the church. Do you, do you understand me? So what we want to do this morning is if, if you can stand with me this morning, and let's just join hands together and let's just lift Pastor Steve and Lisa, especially Lisa, uh, up in prayer. I know Pastor Steve and and maybe Lisa will be watching this morning, and, and let's just be in unity with them and let them know how much we love them, how much we appreciate them, and, and for those that have lost mothers, you, know, you understand what it means to go through this period of time. So let's bow our heads. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that you are a faithful God. We thank you, Lord, that even when we lose our loved ones, that you are still there. We thank you that Lisa's mother knew you as Lord and Savior, and now she's with you in heaven. No more pain, no more uh, brokenness, no more uh, uh, cancer or, or things in her body, Lord. And I thank you, Lord, that you will continue to strengthen Lisa, continue to expand her faith, continue to know that she's loved by her church. And I thank you, Lord, that everything we say and everything we do just bring glory to your name. So be with the Malazzo family that I as they prepare to bury their mother. And may everything we say and do just bring glory to your name. So this is our prayer. In Jesus' name we pray with thanksgiving. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. Last week, Pastor Steve started the Over, Overcomer series, and he had that. Did you guys get the, 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 these cars last time? I asked the guys to put it back on the screen. If you would put that on the screen last time, that the Overcomer's Creed, the Overcomer's Creed. And one of the things I want to encourage you to do is that every, every day, take out your creed and declare who you are. Declare who you are. It will help you with your mental ability to think. It will help you with your heart. It will help you with your attitude. It will help you with your spirit. But you have to declare what God says you are. Now, you may say, well, Pastor, I don't feel that way. No, you don't have to feel it before you can declare it. You don't have to feel it before you declare it. In the kingdom of God, and you and I need to understand this, this principle, in the world, when we see it, then we believe it. In the kingdom of God, it is totally opposite. You have to believe it before you receive it. We are in the world, but we're not of the world. And so we are in this world, but we need to operate in kingdom principles. And so we have to believe it before you receive it. Repeat after me. I need to believe it before I receive it. Let's say it again. I need to believe it before I receive it. Say it again. I need to believe it before I receive it. That's how kingdom people operate. If you are someone that has to see it before you believe it, you will receive nothing in the kingdom. So I want you, I want you to repeat after me as we go through this creed. I am no longer condemned. I am no longer condemned. Now, there needs to be an attitude when you're saying it. An attitude that says, I don't believe it right now, but I'm going to speak it with my mouth. 
In fact, let's stand to our feet. That's punishment for the wrong attitude. <laughs> and of course, if you can't stand, don't stand. I, I'm not, we're, not, this is not, we're not whipping people into shape here. But actually we are, actually we are, right? I am no longer condemned. I am free from sin and death. I am complete in Christ. I have a new mind. I live in the power of the Holy Spirit. I am a child of God Almighty. I am an heir to God and a co-heir with Christ. My present situation could never compare to my future glory. God is at work right now in my present situation. I am becoming more like Jesus every day. God is for me. And no one can stand against me. Jesus is my mediator. And my chief intercessor. Nothing will ever separate me from God's incredible love. You may be seated. You may be seated. You see, when you start your morning like that, all of a sudden when you roll out of bed, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice. And so, oh man, I got to get up today. I got to go to that job I don't like, the people I don't like, the food I don't like. I don't like anything. You determine the attitude you have. And so as I said, Pastor Steve started last week and he, he gave us two scriptures on John 5, 1 John 5, 4, where it comes, talks about we have overcome the world. He talked about in Romans 8, 37, uh, that we are more than conquerors. Lift your head up one minute, look at me. Just because you say those words doesn't mean you are. Sometimes we, there's a disconnect between what the Word says and where we are in our Christian walk. And sometimes we get confused because, because didn't God give me the victory? Yes. Didn't God make me an overcomer? Yes. Didn't God make me more than a conqueror? Yes. But how come I don't feel that way? How come my circumstances haven't lined up that makes me feel that I'm more than a conqueror or I'm more than an overcomer? And I wrote down on my notes here and I, and I said this, no matter how true God's word is, if we don't think, choose, believe, and apply the word of God, nothing in our lives will change. It is not good enough to know the word. It is not good enough just to speak the word. You have to apply the word. And if you don't think correctly, choose correctly, believe correctly, and apply the word correctly, you will not be an overcomer. I like the mechanics of the word of God. Because a lot of time we just want to read it and we don't read into the principles and the application. Because when you and I take the word and turn it around and apply it, then the supernatural power of that word comes alive. Then reconciliation, transformation, change happens because why? We are applying the word. 
If the only time you touch the word is on Sunday morning, you are wasting your time. And one of the things I love about this church is that we challenge you every single time you get here, don't just be a hearer of the word, be a doer of the word. Because nothing changes unless you and I are doers. I want you to turn in your, in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. So when Pastor Steve comes back, he, 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 he started verse 1 and 2. He'll come back on 3 and 4. And, and, and I just went, took one step forward, and, and it's all right. But today I want us to focus on verses 5 and 6. Romans chapter 8, verses 5 and 6. And I will say to you this morning that if we don't, before you can get to the end of Romans where all the hallelujah is going on, you must understand verses 5 and 6. What makes us able to shout and sing, you and I need to be able to shout and sing, look at me, look at me, based on knowledge, based on truth. Because if you don't know why we shout and sing, and if you don't know when to shout and sing, and if it's not based on truth, you will only be able to shout when you come to church. And I will say to you that most of your shouting and most of your hallelujah has to be done outside of this building. Anybody can say hallelujah in the church. I saw some of you when we were singing that song. I raise up hallelujah. Yeah, and some of you were going at it. You know what I'm saying? And a little swing to it. You know, I raise up hallelujah. And I thought, yeah, that's, that's good. But listen to me carefully. If you can't do this outside there, you are fake. Anybody can swing the hips in here. Can you swing it out there? Can you, dis can you stand up? And so what I want to teach this morning, I want to teach you from this word, from Romans chapter 8, verses 5 and 6. I want to teach the mechanics of why we can stand up and shout so that when we go out into the world, when we wake up in the morning, when we walk into, into our workplace on Monday morning, there is still a song on the inside of you. When you walk into your office, you can still be... The, the, mm, mm, mm. And when that devil of a boss comes up to you, <laughs> hallelujah. <laughs> Romans chapter 5, uh, Romans chapter 8, sorry. Romans chapter 8, verses 5 and 6. I'm, I'm, I'm going to take it from the NIV first. Oh, by the way. If you have a cell phone, uh, uh, get the app, get the Bible app on your phone because all the different translations are on the phone. So, Pastor, I'd like to bring my big Bible that Grandma gave you. Grandma's dead. <laughs> that was good for 1950. Get, get something that gives you all the translations so that when we say, okay, let's go to the NIV, but no, you know what? Let's go to the New King James. No, let's go to the Amplified. You can just pump, 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 and you got the word. We have more of the word now than any generation that we know of. But we are the most illiterate generation. Romans chapter 8, verse 5. I'm, going, I'm taking this from the NIV. This is what it says. Those who live according to the flesh have their mindset on what the flesh desires. But those who live according with, uh, in accordance with the Spirit have their mindset on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit 
is life and peace. This is so important here that what we're going to dig into today because as I'm saying, if we don't understand the functionality of the word, we will frustrate ourselves because there are things that you and I need to be doing in cooperation with the word, in cooperation with the spirit so that the word and the spirit comes alive in your life. Notice it says this, those who live according to the flesh and those who live according to the spirit, do the same thing. They have to choose. Those who live according to the Spirit, those who live according to the flesh. What is the word saying? You and I as Christians have to choose which life do we want. Before you start quoting the word, before you start declaring the kingdom of God, what lifestyle do you want to live by? What life principles do you want to live by? Do you want to live by the flesh or do you want to live by the spirit? And either one of those lifestyles, if you choose those lifestyles, the Bible then says, set your mind. The first thing that trips us as Christians is this. We don't know what, sometimes we want to live for Jesus. Sometimes we want to live for the flesh. Sometimes we want to live for ourselves. Sometimes we want to live according to the word. And because we haven't made a concrete decision, nothing's working. And I don't feel that overcoming spirit on the inside of me. And Paul says there are two kinds of life, a life that is according to the flesh and a life that is according to the spirit. And he says, choose. And whatever you choose, set your mind. I was reading this out of the, uh, the Amplified, AMPC, and, and, um, and this is what it says in, in, in the Amplified. For those who are according to the flesh and are controlled by its unholy desires, set their minds on and pursue those things which gratify the flesh. But those who are according to the Spirit and are controlled and are controlled by the desire of the Spirit, set their minds on those things that gratify the Holy Spirit. In other words, you can't be in both camps. And because we're dealing with God, God knows when we're trying to live in both worlds. And I've said it here before, it is either all God or none of God. But God will not share you with another God. Did you hear what I just said? God will not share you with another God. God will not share you I don't know why that, but that just blows my socks off. Do you mean that God is that concerned about me? God is that so much intense love for me? Yes. If no one has told you this morning, God is intensely in love with you. Do you understand me? It's not a dabble of love. No, God, when he looks at you, he says, I'm intensely in love with you. And he won't share you with another God. We'll come back to this in a minute. Turn, turn with me to Colossians. 
the book of Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. So when he says there are two lives that we must choose, and, and then he says we must set our mind, the only way you and I can be able to stump and sing and shout that we are overcomers because we understand who God calls you to be. And who God calls you to do uh, be has nothing to do with your performance. So Paul says, set your mind. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. Paul writing to the, to the, book, the, to the Christians in Colossians, he says in verse 1, are we there? Good. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. Uh, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Verse 2. Set your minds... Lift your head one minute. Lift your head up. What does it mean to set your mind? See, we need to, you got to break it up. What does it mean? Here's what it means. It means you have made up your mind that there is no other way but God's way. You as a Christian, you have made up your mind that everything I do is in consultation with the Word of God. Anytime you have a decision to make, anytime you're thinking through things, the first question in your mind is this, what does the Bible say about what I'm about to decide on? When I have set my mind, I am absolutely convinced I am persuaded. Later on in Romans chapter 8, when we get down to verse verse 37, Paul says, what shall separate me from the love of God? And he goes on and talks about all the stuff that is going on during his time that could possibly make him turn around and walk away from Jesus. See, Paul thought, listen to me carefully, Christianity is faith, but it's also a a religion that is built on thought. And Paul names all the stuff that could separate him from God. You and I in the 21st century, we need to sit back in the 21st century and say, am I convinced that what I believe is true? Now listen to me carefully, especially the parents. You cannot make your adult children Christians. Parents, train up a child. A child, train them up into 18. But when they get to 25, mind your own business. I just thought I would take the pressure off you. Because when they get to that age, they must come into this thing for themselves. And so Paul says, set your mind. In other words, have you made up your mind that Jesus Christ is the only way to the Father? Have you made up your mind that the principles of living as a Christian is the way I want to live my life for the rest of my life and it's not based on anyone manipulating me? I've always said to people, if I go to hell, I'm going to go to hell because I want to. But I won't be going to hell because I'm following other people. I will walk into hell and shag my thing because I, and I'll pump my chest up and say, I'm here because I want to be here. But if I go to heaven, I'm going to heaven based on knowledge, not because my mama told me. No, I'm going to go there because I'm, I've read it, I've understood it, I've digested it, and I've concluded that this is the truth that I will live my life by for the rest of my life. Amen. That is what a set mind is all about. A set mind says, I have thought it through. Now, listen to me carefully. 
If you don't think it through, there are people out there that will crush you if you're not confident of what you believe. There are people out there that are always looking for a way to disprove the Bible, disprove the resurrection, disprove the virgin birth, disprove the way God set up in society. And if you're not convinced in your heart that this is it, and everybody can walk away from me, but I'm sticking with God, you won't last. Colossians chapter 3, verse 2. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died, and your life and your life is now hidden in, with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life. Did you notice those two phrases? In verse 3 it says, For you died and your life is now hidden in Christ. And then he says in verse 4, When Christ, who is your life. Is Christ our lives? Is your life circled around by your decision and your faith in Jesus? Because if it's not, every time you quote the word, it won't work. And the great thing about Christianity is this, you and I can't fool God. We can't fool God. And, and, and that's why we say to, 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 to us as Christians, stop trying to impress people. People, God could care less how you impress people. You have to impress him. He's the one that needs to know that you know that you believe what you believe. And then he says in verse 5, put to death... Therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, who's responsible to put to death? You and I. Repeat, repeat after me. A mind that is set on God is responsible to crucify the flesh. See, we've got a place, we've come to a place in, in, in America that we think everything we go through, we can come and the pastor will pray for me. No, there are some things that you and I are responsible for. And prayer will not change it until you make, take action. A mind that is set is a mind that says there are some things that I'm responsible for and there are some things that God's responsible for. But I can't make God do the things that I'm responsible for because it won't work. And if, we, if we're becoming an overcomer, there are things that the Spirit of God does and there are things that you and I need to do. So let's look at some of the things that you and I need to do with the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse five. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immoralities, impurities, lusts, evil desires, greed, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. There are some things that you and I need to put away. Anger. Pastor, pray for me that I don't get angry. No, the Bible says crucify it. Jealousy. Pastor, pray for me that I don't be jealous. No, you have to crucify that. Covetousness. Pastor, pray that I don't want what other people want. No, you have to crucify that. If you're walking in jealousy, if you're walking in anger, that will determine your attitude every time you get up and every time you go to work and every time you have an interaction with people and every time you have a relationship. If you don't deal with your anger, and the Bible says crucify it. Let me read this from the Amplified Bible. 
I love what it says in, in, in the Amplified Bible. It says this in um, verse 2. And set your minds and keep them set. Oh. Set your mind and keep them set. Lift your head one minute. It's not a one day, no. It's a thing that I get up every morning and I declare. I refuse to walk in anger. I crucify jealousy. I crucify wanting what other people have. And I will wait on God. Set your mind and keep them set on what is above the higher things, not on the things that are on the earth. For as far as the world is concerned, you have died. As far as the world is concerned, you have died. And your, and your new real life is hidden in Christ. And then he says in verse 5, so kill. I like this. He says, so kill. And then in the parenthesis, it says, so kill, deaden, deprive of power. In other words, the things that we have that we need to crucify, don't give them power. In other words, starve it. If you starve something, you will kill it. Starve anger. Starve jealousy. Starve trying to think that you're better than other people. Starve the attitudes and, and, and attributes that says, I am above people because I make more money and I, or I drive a better car or I live in a better neighborhood. No, starve that. Starve the fact that you may be white or I may be black and I may be Chinese and Indian and I'm of a, a superior race. Starve that. Why? You are a Christian. You should be able to get along with anybody. But if you feed that part of your flesh, it will rise up and dominate you. And the word says, deaden it, starve it. So kill, deaden, deprive of power the evil desires lurking in your members, those animal impulses and all that is earthly in you that is employed in sin, sexual vices, impurities, sensual appetites, holy, unholy desires, and all greed and covetousness that is adultery and defying of self and other created things instead of God. In other words, stop putting other things in front of God. You say, Pastor, I got to do that? Yes. You mean God is not going to just come and wipe his hand on? No, you lazy. <laughs> because some of this mechanics is not taught. And so people think God is going to come and do everything. God is not going to do everything. And so we need to be able to come and starve those areas of our lives that, that, that are trying to dominate us. And then he says in, in, in verse, uh, 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 oh, there's so much good stuff here. But let's, let's go with um, verse 7, first Colossians chapter 3. And then it says, among, among whom you also once work when you were living in and addicted to such practices. And then he's talk, what he's talking about there is this. When we come out of the world and, and now we become Christians and we start to live for God, don't act big and proud as though you never sinned before. Now that you're saved and walking the way, don't be looking down on people and say, oh God, how nasty she is. No, you used to be just as nasty. Don't be saying, oh, 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 look at, look, look at Sister, Sister Sosa, her, her, her skirt, look how short her mini is. Remember when you used to wear them, and it, yours used to be a little higher. <laughs> but now God has refined you, you're looking down on people. No, no, you need to put an arm around here and say, come on, baby. I'll show you how to live and shorten that long, and put, put that down a little longer. Right? Don't kill people. Put them out. Remember when someone put an arm around you? 
Verse 10. And have clothed yourself with the new spiritual self, which is even in the process of being renewed and remolded into fully and more perfect knowledge upon knowledge, knowledge after the image and likeness of the creator. Then he says in verse 12, clothe yourself, therefore, as God's own chosen ones, his own, own picked representatives. Who picked you? God. Who wants to transform you? God. Who wants to give you the tools to be overcomers? God. You see, when nobody else picks you, God says, I pick you. That's why as Christians we have a healthy self-esteem. Why? Because nobody else picked us, but God did. And I don't know about you, if the God of the whole universe can pick me, I could care less who doesn't pick me. Do, do, do you understand what I'm saying? That's, no, no, stop that. That's, this, is where our, this is where our confidence comes from as Christians. Do you understand? We're always looking for other people to make us confident, other people to make us feel good. No, your confidence comes by knowing that God picks you. You should be walking around and say, I was picked by God. Just want to let you know, I was picked by God. I don't have to go to that club. I don't have to come to your party. I don't have to go to your game. I don't have to go there. I don't have to, you don't shoot, that's fine. I was already picked. And because I'm picked, I'm confident that he who began a good work in me will complete it. I am complete in him. Do you understand me? You need to have, you need to have that confidence. You need to, young ladies, you need to walk about and say, and, and, and no guys picking you to do, go out on a date? No problem. I've already been picked. And the one that picked me knows how to pick for me. Oh, oh, did you hear that? No, no, stop. Did you hear that? No, you, stop tapping. Did you hear what I just said? Because you were clapping and some girl missed it just now. Did you hear what I just said? The God that picked me knows how to pick for me. I got, can, I got to say it again. I, someone, young man, young man, the God that picked you knows how to pick for you. Because if you get a Jezebel, you'll be hellish. And you just talk to some of the married people here. They'll let you know. Did you get that, though? The God that picked me knows how to pick I got to say it again. The God, come on, put your, put your hand on your stomach. Come on, rabakishi. Come on, put your hand on your stomach. Some of this is going to be for revelation for someone. The God that picked me knows how to pick. Yes. Yes. No, no, stop. You know, what, you know what that does? That settles you down. That settles you down. That does not allow you to go parade yourself and think, if, I can, if they could just see me. Yeah. i got to keep going. A mindset. A mindset. The reason why this is important, because let's move out of Colossians. Go back to Romans. Romans chapter 12. And this is why Paul told the Christians in Rome that, that yes, yes, you, you are accepting Christ as Lord and Savior, but if there is not a change in the way you think, there will be no fruit that matches what you declare. I'm a Christian, great. Where's the fruit? I am an overcomer. 
wonderful. Where's the evidence? I am victorious in Christ, magnificent. Where is the proof of that? And what the world turns away from the church nowadays is that, that they say the world, the church is all talk, but no action. And that's why America has allowed all these gods to come into, the, into America now. Because why? The God that used to be God of this nation can no longer be seen because no evidence is being seen through his children. And because there's no evidence of it, then the world, the country says, you know what? I'm going to go look for another God. Romans 12, 1, Paul writes to the Christians, he said, I appeal to you therefore, brethren, I'm reading out of the Amplifier, but follow your version. I appeal to you therefore, brethren, and beg, and, and beg of you in the view of all the mercies of God to make a decisive dedication of your decisive dedication of your bodies, presenting all your members and faculty as a living sacrifice, holy, devoted, consecrated, and well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable, rational, intelligent service and spiritual worship. Verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, this age, fashioned after and adapted to its external, superficial customs. That's what I love about the Amplifier. He says, do not be conformed to this world. Do not be conformed uh, to fashion yourself, to adapt to the exterior superficial customs. Let's look, look, look at me one minute. Everything you try to do on the outside is superficial. So we try to tuck in here and suck in here and paint this and extend the eyes and drop the hair and open the nose and in increase. <laughs> Paul is saying, don't get fashioned. Don't get moved by the superficial customs of this world. But he says, let's read it but be transformed, changed by the entire renewing of your mind by its new ideas and its new attitudes so that you can prove yourself. In other words, Paul is saying, now that you are a Christian, your mind has got to be renewed. The old customs of this world, the things that we used to do, now we have to renew our minds. And we renew our minds with what? The Word of God. I start to think differently. The Bible says, as a man thinks, so he is. And as I start to think, and as I start to renew my mind, the, the Bible says that as I renew my mind, I will start to function in the life that is led by the Spirit of God. Go back to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. I'm going to read out of the Amplifier, but following your version. For those who are, who are according to the flesh and are controlled by its unholy desires, set their minds on and pursue those things that gratify the flesh. But those who are of the Spirit and are controlled by the desires of the Spirit, set their minds and seek those things that gratify the Spirit. The only way you and I can walk spiritually is that we have to think spiritually. The only way we can think spiritually is because we have to read the Word. That's why we encourage Grow You. 
That's why we encourage us to come out on a Wednesday night and get into a class. And, and, and why? Because the more of the word you know, the more spirit-led you will be. We've got tons of classes coming up, and there's one class I just want to highlight. It's the prayer class. We are about to go into a 40-day-hour prayer time, September 27th, 28th, and 29th. For 48 hours, we're going to be here at the church crying out to God and saying, God, touch our church, touch our leaders, touch this, give vision to the church, give vision to our leaders. Lord, here I am, and, and, and what is it that you want to do in my life? Because I want, to do, I want to be doing what you need to be doing. I want to know how to pray. That's why we have a prayer class that's being taught by Alice Ruiz, and she's going to be teaching us how to pray. No, you're not going there to be prayed for. You are going to learn how to pray. So if you go in the class and say, Alice, can you pray for me? She's going to say no. But if you want to learn how to pray, come. You say, oh, pastor, I don't know how to pray. Well, go to learn. Well, pastor, I, I, I got soccer on Wednesday. <laughs> then go play soccer. Because why? Your mind is not set. And the funny thing about it is that when all hell breaks loose, guess what happens? You come back looking for the church. And God is saying, before that happens, why don't you come and learn how to pray so that when times come, you can stand. I'm going to have the worship team start to make their way back. And, but let me, let, let me get to verse 6. Worship team, start coming back. Verse 6 of Romans 8 says, There's now the mind of the flesh, which is sense, reason, Without the Spirit of God. Lift your head on one minute. He says, the mind of the flesh, your mind, your soul, that's really what it is, it's your soul. Every human being is made up of three parts, spirit, soul, and body. When we get saved and the Spirit of God comes and lives within us, the Spirit of God resides in our spirit. Spirit lives with spirit. The Spirit of God is in us. That part of us that will never sin again. But the Bible says we are responsible for our bodies and our souls. The Bible says in Romans 12, it says, present your body as a living sacrifice. You cannot do what you please or what you want with your body anymore. Because why? You were bought with a price. The Bible says, now honor God with your bodies. But I I'm a grown man. I can do whatever I want. No. And then he says in Romans 12, and be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And your mind is your will, your, your, your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. That soulish re region of us that has to be renewed. That soulish region that has to be re re redeemed and with the word of God. And if our minds are never renewed... You, you, us as Christians, we can get into all kinds of things. Depression, anxiety. You say, can Christians get that? Yes. Yes, because sometimes it's not renewing of our minds. And, and, and we're thinking about things that we shouldn't be thinking about. But why? And, and, and we can't get those thoughts out. Because, and those thoughts come and bombard our ears and the thoughts get into our hearts. And then when the, when the thought gets into your heart, it comes out of your mouth. And the Bible says, our life and death Life and death, life and death is in the power of the tongue. But if we're not thinking right and digesting properly, what will come out of your mouth can produce life and it can produce death. You say, well, pastor, I'm a Christian. Yes. You can be a Christian and produce death in your mouth. Or you can be a Christian and produce life. But you can't produce both. So he says the mind of the flesh, <clears throat> which is sense and reason without the spirit, is death. Don't be fooled. 
Don't listen to lies. The Bible is clear. What you sow, you will reap. If you sow death, if you sow negative thinking, if you sow wrong thinking, the Bible is clear in verse 6. It will produce death. But the Bible also says, But the mind of the Spirit, the mind of the Holy Spirit is life and the soul, peace, both now and forever. The Bible says, I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on me. What I'm trying to say to you guys this morning is this. The Bible works if we make decisions to set our minds on the things of God, on the Word of God, on the study of God, on the worship of God. If your mind is set and your heart knows, you shall know the truth. And the truth that you know will set you free. Can you be an overcomer? Yes. Can you be more than a conqueror? Yes. But it won't just come from stumping your feet. It will come from revelation knowledge. The truth of God's word that you hide in your heart. So that the Bible says, out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. That's why we love communion. That's why I love communion. It, communion is God's way of saying, no matter how many times you mess up, no matter how many times you sin, and we, we, look at me, look at me, we have sinned. You get it? Just because I'm a teaching, don't think I'm perfect. Why? Well, I never thought you did think I'm perfect anyway. But communion reminds us that God made covenant with us. God picked us. And God knows sometimes we're going to miss it. Communion reminds us that we can go back to this loving God humble ourselves, ask for forgiveness, and He will renew us, forgive us, cleanse us, set us back on course to accomplish the plan of God for our lives.